You summoned me? Yes. Why? Let me tell you a story about... A young man struggling with his identity and self-worth. Two parents on the opposite sides of a violent encounter and the temptations of self-destruction. The divisions that exist among us despite time and distance. Hello, I am Mark Million, and this is The Hidden Scribes. Today's author is a young woman who has been writing for years and working on the outskirts of her passion in a variety of roles in both film and television. It is my distinct privilege to introduce you to Tiffany Glass. So Tiff. Hello. Hi, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. So tell us about what we're going to be listening to today. So this is a short story that I wrote about two mothers whose children, they go to the same high school, and after an incident at school, the two meet each other unknowingly, and things become dangerous. Oh, dangerous. Okay. Well, uh, prepare for danger, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the selection. I am Tiffany Glass. This is a scene from my screenplay, Friendship. James and his two friends grimace at Tyler across the locker room. The tension had been simmering for a while. James had been pushing all of Tyler's buttons. And Tyler had never been very good at pushing back. But today he pushed. He shoved. He collided with James in a way that was unexpected. The smirk on his face James hears his name spoken, however, is growing deaf with anger. He can only hear his blood boiling while looking at this new cocky, this white boy. A green yard surrounds a small blue and yellow home. A black woman with light skin and a low hat hiding her eyes is trimming the trees. This is her home. Her name is Elle Jones. A white woman is walking towards her. She says, Will you be my friend? Sure, Elle replies. The sounds transition to a cooking kitchen. Elle's daughter sits within arm's reach of her mother staring intently at this woman who has invaded her home. The white woman is babbling about growing up in the hood. Yes? Girl, yeah, I used to go with my friends. We used to sneak in the strip clubs on the east side. You know on the east side where it's just like all black. I would be the only white girl. She's going on and on about her black friends. Sometimes we'd hear gunshots. You know how it'd be, girl. But then I would just run out with my homies and we would kick it and be fresh and cool. How many pills she's taken? Girl, this Valium, I took like three Valium this morning and I... And how much bourbon she's had already today. I was drinking this and I took some other pills too, but I can't tell you what those do because the doctor told me to not talk about them. We can hear her sliding out of her chair. Oh my God! (laughs) Oh. Oh. Oh my knee, my goodness. (laughs) 
another drink. Here, let me get this drink out of my purse, okay? Because you need to have some of this. A teenage boy walks in. We know him. Fair-skinned. More so than his mother. He hates that. What color he has drains completely from his face. James? When he sees the woman on the couch. Elle follows him. You can't speak to our guest. Taking her silent, wide-eyed daughter with her. The fuck is she doing here? Watch your damn mouth. When they hear a crash. Samantha is standing over cracked frames. Photos of Elle and her two children. Nudging the splinters with her feet. See mom, letting in random ass people. That's when they notice the shard of glass in her hand. Elle and James look on in awe. A moment before she lunges at Elle. Ow! Samantha, stop! Elle pushes her onto the couch before Samantha can ram the razor of glass into her chest. Elle throws Samantha to the ground while James tries to protect his mother. Oh! Get off my mama! Samantha, laughing at the irony, crawls around on the floor, fingernails dragging. They all have a close eye on her as Elle's daughter dials the police. We're not those people. He doesn't deserve this. This fucking punk just out of nowhere in, in school just got my son in so much trouble. He's like, girl, you know, he's just like, I just wanted to see him in you because I always see them. And <laughs> well, it takes money. Uh, I am. So drunk. James Jonathan Jones, what the hell did you do this time? Me and my boys had to whoop her son's ass in school. It was weeks ago, though. What? Why? For calling me a nigga. That's cool. Is that the end? That's the end. That's what I thought. That's cool. Oh my goodness. How many people are like listening? People like listen? <laughs> what do you mean the people like listen? Like to your um, podcast. Like, can you see how many people are listening? Like how many people have downloaded it? Oh, yeah. I guess so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Has it I been? Oh, yeah. That's cool. Mm -hmm. That's so yeah. cool. Yeah. So, uh... So that was Friendship by Tiffany Glass. Yep. What can we expect to to happen with James and homicidal drunk ass Samantha and <laughs> and too cool for school L. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, it's an interesting story. It's it's basically expect the unexpected. We have these four people if we include Tyler, um, mm -hmm. who are kind of caught in this central set of circumstances. I don't know what my expectations are of the story, but I guess one of the things I'm kind of curious about is James's father. Mm -hmm. Does he ever wind up playing a role in the story at all? Do we see him or is he absentee? He is absentee. Um, he is 
just the type of person who is very like, you know, rude and violent. So he's in jail, actually. We don't see him. Okay, but he's white. Yes. Okay. So what that brings up is a couple of things that I wanted to talk about. One of them is, is that what kind of drew me to this story was how James is dealing with some issues regarding his identity and his race for a person of biracial heritage. That is fairly interesting. I'm, I'm not sure if I've ever seen this take before. And the absentee father in this story is a white man instead of a black man, which is also kind of counter to type of what you would typically see in roles of, of that type. You know, you would assume that, you know, the father's in jail and he's gone because, you know, he's black. And so that kind of role reversal, I think, was kind of interesting. But also on a deeper level, his self-loathing, James's self-loathing, uh, speak to some of the dynamics we see among the black community who aren't of mixed heritage. Is that intentional? Or are you, what, what are you trying to communicate with that distinction? Sure. Well, it's, it's, it is intentional in the sense that because he has an absentee father, he, you know, was raised mostly by his mother and her family. So he's used to black people and black men in particular. So he just, just has little respect for white people, especially white men. And it just, you know, he, he just more relates to black culture. So when people test him, you know, he's, he's not an innocent type teen, but when he gets tested, he really lashes out, especially if it's someone white. So, well, that's a good point because one of the things that the audience at home isn't aware of is that part of the backstory is, is that James has been bullying Tyler. Yes. Right. So to an extent, yes, they, they've been getting into it. Yes. <laughs> right. But like, but if I understand it correctly, uh, James has been the antagonist of those things. He's been the, the catalyst for those interactions. Yeah. Yes. Him and his friends, you know, they they're rough. They think they're tough. Right. But so like he's not. So when you say that he's not innocent, not saying that Tyler should have used that word. I'm not, you know, I'm not looking for a justification for Tyler, but what, I guess what I'm trying to right. paint is that. He's not quite the victim that he appears to be just in this selection, you know, because in a way one can say he's, he's getting his comeuppance. Right. But I guess what I'm curious about is the fact that he's not an innocent. What part does that play in the story that you're trying to tell? I'm just just showing how everyone, you know, has layers and there's different dynamics to every situation. And just when you see a part of it, you see just a picture, like you said, and that's not always the case. You know, he's definitely not a victim. However, you still root for him, you know, because he, you know, he wins in the end, so. Oh, does he? Well, at least in oh. that fight. <laughs> <laughs> that's got you, got you. <laughs> he whipped that ass, got you. <laughs> Do you feel like James has something to prove because he's half white? Do you feel like he's in a position where... He has to be more black. He has to take even more pride in his blackness. He definitely does. I feel like it's natural, but maybe when he, you know, as growing up, I'm sure he probably felt he had to. But as a teenager, I feel like he really owns it, you know. Uh, his blackness. Yes. How dangerous is James? Like, how reckless is he? You know, that's a great question. He's very much like his father in a lot of ways that he doesn't like to admit because his father is very reckless and... And he, he's not a good person. So it's, it's kind of like nurture versus nature. And he does, in a sense, have that, like, privilege that just is like, you know, I'll just do whatever I want to do, you know. And, and he does, you know, for the most part, you know, he, he's somewhat disciplined. But, you know, with, with just how life is and, you know, his grandfather is not around anymore, it's, he's just really just kind of out there. He's just being a teenager, you know, all that testosterone, too, being a teenage boy. 
sounds like fun, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no <laughs> doubt, no doubt. So this is obviously dealing with um, degrees of racial animus and the effects that that can have and how complicated it is. What is the weight of this kind of work given the times that we live in today? I think I think it's definitely heavy um, in a good way because we all deal with you know, racism just every day on a daily basis, you know, whether you are a black person or just a person of color in general or a woman or whatever it is that, you know, is against the norms of society. So we all deal with it. And I feel like people can relate to it and maybe find, you know, a little happiness in the story. Kind of interesting. Oh, what's some of the happiness? Give me a sneak peek of, of some happy times. <laughs> can you? Can you? Um, you know, just the like love and compassion like it's called friendship for a reason so i think that you know by the end of the story you do see um one of the main characters really you know coming coming into her own oh so friendship is not an ironic title no (laughs) so talking about you a little bit and and your background so talk to us about some of the jobs that you've had and and what some of your goals are i I know that your ultimate goal is to uh be a screenwriter and a, and a and producer, producer right yeah tell us about uh because some of the people listening to this have those same ambitions and haven't flown as close to the sun as you have indeed yeah in the sense of <laughs> some of the yeah some of the some of the jobs you have so, so so talk to us a little bit about that yes um i have worked i used to live in la and i lived in atlanta um and i worked you know in television i worked in like entertainment production where we We produce, you know, like those um, million dollar movie parties. You know, I've worked in that type of business. Um, It was very, you know, Devil Wears Prada. Like, you know, I don't know if I can mention a real movie, but um, it was cool. And, you know, from there, you know, I've gone up and up, you know, towards the chain. You know, I've been a production coordinator, a script supervisor on a movie. You know, it's it's very cool. You know, I've worked on independent stuff and I've worked on some mainstream stuff. So. It's, it's very cool. It's very tough. Um, it's definitely a tough industry. I definitely see how people can get chewed up and spit out by Hollywood very easily. Um, luckily, I was not one of those people. However, um, you know, I've had a lot of different jobs and, you know, I just continue to write, just encourage people to write and really stick to what you're doing and just complete it. And just know that if you're doing good work, it'll come, it'll come to you. What was your favorite job amongst those jobs that were industry adjacent? You know, I will say working in event production in L.A. was very cool. Um, I got to see a lot of cool stuff that you wouldn't even believe I would tell you about. You know, I was right in the thick of Hollywood, so that was nice. And then the, and the timing of it, you know, was very political time. Um, you know, before gay marriage was legal, it just become legal there. And it was just it was just interesting. Um, but, yeah, working in, you know, just getting to go to those parties was just great. Um, even if I had to work, so what? I mean, it was cool. <laughs> You're going to have to break me off one of those stories, though. I mean, you can't just... You know, tease <laughs> myself and our our audience with this idea of all these fantastic stories. Oh you gotta not give us one. You gotta give us one. What's wrong with you? <laughs> oh my goodness! Oh, there's so many. Well, there's one story in particular. Um, mm-hmm. we were at. I believe. Should I tell you or now, or should I tell you later? Now. <laughs> what you mean? Now? Later? Okay. Okay. 
I'm like, <laughs> I was like, I'll tell you off air. Okay, so we were at um, LACMA, and it was just this amazing event, all these A-list celebrities there, and there was this performance that I was watching, and the girl literally came down from the ceiling playing a violin, and there's this piano. I mean, it was just amazing, and then, like, the background dropped, and you got to walk directly into the new art installation at LACMA. It was it was amazing and breathtaking. I mean, I just couldn't even believe I was even looking at something like that, um, you know, and... I had a moment where I wasn't working, so I got to watch. <laughs> you just described to me like a Cirque du Soleil music performance. <laughs> yeah, for free with like, I mean, super A-list celebrities and like all its food and like we had built the whole venue. It was it was like amazing. Like, you know, um, so that's one story. That's that's a, um, you know, G-rated story. That was, <laughs> but it's still a good one. That was not the trash I was looking for. Uh, yeah, I was going to say you no. <laughs> probably not what you wanted to hear. I can't tell you those stories. No, you can. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> that's so funny I'm gonna say we all feel gypped I'm speaking on behalf of the community <laughs> that I represent are you still recording of course this? I'm recording oh it says recording in progress oh my goodness <laughs> what are you thinking <laughs> ridiculous you gotta look at your contract more closely this is ridiculous <laughs> I agree uh, so talk to me about Hollywood West and Hollywood South and how they compare ah uh, so Hollywood West, um, I call it I call it Hell A, because it really was like hell. I mean, everything looks beautiful, but everything is not beautiful. Um, a lot of fronts being put on, so they're both very similar in that sense. But um, I would say the Southern Hollywood is very um, it's very plastic. I would say that that's the best way to describe it. I'm sure you've heard that before. I have. That is definitely the stereotype. <laughs> now, you lived there for how long? Um, about oh, at Hell A, about. Four years in Atlanta, six years. Okay. I guess it's good to know that some cliches are true. To an extent, yeah. But, you know, there's there's a lot of plastic. Right. Uh, so, so tell us about some of the people who are just L.A. bound. Like, you know, they listen to this and they're like, nope, nope, fuck that, fuck that. I'm going to L.A. It's my dream. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be rich, bitch. I'm just going to be fantastic. I'm going to be famous in the motherfucker. Like... Do yeah. it right. So, like, help me understand or help them understand both sides of that. So what is the thing that you would say as a piece of advice that you would pass on to someone that you think that they should avoid, like, the plague as far as getting sucked into some of the things about L.A. that you didn't like? Absolutely. Um, the thing about L.A. is that it's either a great day or it's a horrible day. And it's not really much in the middle. So as long as you're the type of person that can stay grounded and you have plenty of money saved and you're not because you are going to be swimming with sharks. And as long as you understand that, um, you will be fine. <laughs> if you're a shark, then, you know, rock on. And tell us just to keep things in balance. Tell us your favorite thing about L.A. Um, I would definitely say, I mean, of course, the weather. I'd say the weather, but... Probably the food and the people, you know, like it was it was great. The beach was great. I mean, it was it was fantastic. I mean, like I said, when you're having a good day, it was amazing. Like, oh, my God. Would you ever go back? The ground shakes, though. <laughs> the ground does Oh, shake. yeah. I mean, if I have plenty of money, <laughs> the ground does shake. And I felt the ground shaking a couple times, which is weird. But um, luckily, nothing too bad. But I would definitely go, you know, back. But just like, I mean, six months out of the year, just have like a super nice house, you know, but like, I can't, I can't like live in hell. Hey, oh my gosh, I go nuts. I've heard a lot of people say that <laughs> you can transplant your LA experience, not necessarily uh, the weather or 
the beach. But as far as making a name for yourself and starting on the ground floor, you know, it used to be New York or L.A. And Atlanta has really kind of put itself on the map. Having lived in both and worked uh, within the industry in both, would you say that that's true or or would you say that's overblown? What, What would be your comparison there? I would definitely say that's true. Um, people are doing very well in Atlanta. You know, um, there's a lot of movies being shot in Atlanta. I feel like both places are still very good places to be for sure. Um, you can also build from wherever you are. And, you know, if you're a mobile type person, you can always, you know, travel. Um, you know, it, it just really depends. But, you know, I, I definitely would say it's true. So what would you say has been the biggest obstacle for you personally in getting to that next step? where you are making a living as a writer? I would say, you know, consistency, always, you know, churning out scripts, you know, not being, or having writer's block, I guess you could say. Like, just, you know, I started focusing on other things, you know, working a regular job. You know, you just get focused on regular life. You know, there was some other things going on with family and, you know, moving and yada, yada, yada. So, like, that really just got me off track. So I would say that has been my b- biggest obstacle. So it's all, it's it's fairly internal. You're not blaming right. uh, society or... No, 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 definitely not. Or your female parts or <laughs> your dusky skin color or anything like that. No. It, it basically boils down to you uh, creating more discipline for yourself. Correct. Cool. What do you think is the most intriguing aspect of your screenplay? What makes your story different from other stories like that? You know, I feel like the way it's told is different because it's it's based on a true story. So the way the story progresses makes it different from other stories and and the conversation that goes on in it. But like specifically, what does that mean? What types of conversations are we going to get a glimpse of between your characters that you think provides a, a really unique perspective that we haven't seen before? But I think black people, you know, a lot of times actually talk about these situations, but it always kind of turns into a debate, you know, because black people, you know, we have these respectability politics, which kind of comes up, but it's not called that in their conversation. So I feel like black people kind of do that sometimes, but, you know, it's a unique perspective from two black women, you know, especially one who's like fair skin and her friend is like darker skin. So. Oh, and, those, and, the, and so it's, it's with those color complexes between them. So, the, so right. basically, I see. So, so there are all these stratifications of color complexes that you're dealing with, where you're dealing with James, who is really light, uh, he's biracial, then yeah. you're dealing with Elle, who's his mother, who's light, and has, you know, had a relationship with a white man that, you know, she felt good about. Then you have her friend, who's darker, and each one of them is dealing with their own uh, color identity within the diaspora. Exactly. Yeah, it's many layers to it, yeah. So you come across as extremely upbeat. Uh, you laugh and smile quite easily. Is it hard to slip into material that deals with such dark and violent themes? You know, I am pretty upbeat. That is just like my natural demeanor. Um, it, at times it's, it's hard to slip into these, but most of the time it's not because, you know, I just, this was based on a true story and I was just inspired to write about it. And I read a lot of news and stuff. So I'm very aware of like the darkness that's going on in the world. I just choose to be like, you know, more of a positive light. Um, but, you know, my mind can go dark places, as you've read. <laughs> well, which part uh, happened to you? You know, the friendship part. She was talking to me about what happened between her and her son at the school. Oh, so you were, you were the darker-skinned friend? Yes. <laughs> I see. I see. That was a good shoulder to, to lean on. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Indeed. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. 
Well, thank you for being a good friend to her as your muse. Thank you for being a good friend to me for appearing on the podcast. Uh, certainly loved having you, and we look forward to hearing more from you. Absolutely. And the work that you do. Oh, uh, is is the is the script finished? It is. And how many scripts have you written at this point? At this point, there are finished three. So you finished three scripts. Yes. And you you've got one finished here. Yes. All right. So let's get cracking on getting you in front of somebody who's going to get you paid. Exactly. For all that hard work. Absolutely. This is cool. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) I want to thank Tiffany again for sharing her thought-provoking work and for taking the time for this collaboration. We were lucky to have her. Remember, for the next two weeks, support her in her efforts with the hashtag HiddenScribesFriendship on all of your socials. Speaking of which, if you are interested in being a part of the show, you can email us at thehiddenscribes at gmail.com, expressing your desires to do so. Keep in mind your work does not need to be finished in order to be featured. One of the goals of our work is to give those of you who have begun the process the fuel to finish. So please, take that next step and join us now in fellowship. The doors of the scribes are open. We invite you to do so. Will you take that step today? I know someone within the realm of the sound of my voice feels moved to use their fingers and join us. Now's the time. You can also find us on the Face Twitgrams at The Hidden Scribes. If you'd like to support the show, send us money. Cash small denominations. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. We are also available on Stitcher and SoundCloud if you're not into the whole Apple thing. Don't let that stop you from rating and reviewing us there, though. Don't be like that. We have applied for hosting on Spotify, but apparently shit, they super selective, so, you know, send some good juju on that. If you are not already supporting Brown Girls Do, Lemon Drop Media, and Short and Sweet, please do so. These ladies are working hard on your behalf, bringing you amazing content. Support them in kind. This is Mark Million. You can holler at me on Twitter at Mark underscore M-I-L-L-I-E-N. Thank you. We out. Let go.